Hey everybody, it's Brian David Marshall uh, with Michael J. Flores for Top 8 Magic. I think there's bits of coconut in my cookie. Yeah, there might be. Coconut's delicious. We just established that when I snarfed down that macaroon faster than Green Arrow could notch, it, notch his bow. <laughs> Speaking of Green Arrow, um, I was coming home last week from not podcasting with you, and I saw my... It didn't really rain, did it? No. So... <laughs> So then, so really, intermittent jackhammers did us in. It wasn't torrential so, jackhammers. I'm walking into my house, and my wife's like, "Did you get my text? Did you get my text?" And I'm like, "No." Look at my text. And so she's watching. What's the name of that show that Will Wheaton's on sometimes? Two and a Half Men. No. No. Um. Sorry. Yeah. Um. It's the Big nerd, Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory, which I've never watched a whole episode it's except pretty once. Funny. Except once on the on the plane. Yeah, I'm sure I would love it. I've just never watched it. Yeah. She's like. I turned on the TV, thinking it was like such and such show, but I was an hour early, and they were playing Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I texted you, and so it's this episode of the Big Bang Theory guys dress up as the Justice League, and the the cute girl on the show is like, whatever Green Green Arrow, and then the main character who used to be on Roseanne is like, oh that's a Magic reference, Roseanne. <laughs> He's like, I'm Green Lantern. She's like, what's the difference? And he like pulls back his arm for like a bow and arrow. It's like, arrow. Lantern. You don't see what I'm doing, but I'm holding my hand forward as though I were holding a lantern. It was pretty funny. So, you know, what were we talking about? I don't remember, but the funny so just yeah. going back to Big Bang Theory for a second. So there's a guy who plays the comic book store owner yeah. on Big Bang Theory, uh, or the comic book store manager, and it's this actor named Kevin Sussman, who, you know, he's done a lot of stuff. You've seen him in a million things. You've seen him on commercials. But... When I last worked in a comic book store, he was one of the managers at the comic book store. So it's very bizarre to me to see, you know, Big Bang Theory and watch Kevin Sussman running a comic shop. It's kind of—it's like, literally art imitating life. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. I can only imagine what it's like for him. Maybe he thinks he's, he's in a dream. He's very easy for him to get into character. <laughs> Speaking of getting into character. I don't know why I missed this note that you wrote in 2009 about the racism on the bus with the um, the cell phone. Yeah, oh yeah, I was just talking about that story. To it is like... unbelievable, this story. I mean, it has a twist ending. It's like an episode <laughs> of The Twilight Zone. It's so good. So I have a lot of good bus stories. In general, like when I ride the bus, weird things happen. So the anecdote starts with Becker making fun of BDM for riding the bus. Correct. Becker, who's not here, we're taunting him by mentioning that he's not here. Sure. And, and but actually, we're actually just making him enormously happy by mentioning his name. Yeah. So, oh, I listened to three interview podcasts today. One with uh, Taya, one with LSV, and one with Teddy. And only Teddy mentioned me. That was, ang- we're actually actively angry in the <laughs> other ones. So angry. Did I get mentioned on anybody other than one with Teddy? I don't think you were, you were mentioned with the one with Teddy, I think. So, like, LSB didn't list me as one of the top five players in the game. <coughs> Interesting. No. Taya didn't mention me in cube drafting. I've never drafted cube in my life. But I still expect some sort of... You still... Somebody yeah. said to me on Twitter last week, uh, if someone wrote a blog post that was, like, ostensibly criticizing me, but it was, like, a thinly veiled PR piece for me. Like, you know what Teddy used to write? Like, Michael Flores is a big bad... Like, the big idiot or whatever but it's actually an article about how I'm the greatest writer in the world like 
I would that would be my favorite. But I actually don't love that article. Sure. Because if you like Google my name, it comes up, and then it seems like I'm an idiot. And like, <laughs> I would only speculate that it would come up. Not that, that I sit around googling. But isn't that isn't that just good in Google? Isn't that like when people look at ads for weight loss pills, and they're like, "Don't click, click on this link for scams about weight loss pills." <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how all of those companies make two hundred fifty million dollars a year, but every one of them does. Um, you know, it's very funny. I was. I feel like I made an important life decision in junior high school. Yeah. Or it was me and this guy, John. We were sort of partners in crime, almost literally. <laughs> almost literally. Almost literally. Crime. I mean, we talked about robbing a bank or something. I don't really? know. Really? Magic players are not lucky at that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> they are. Well, it was, it was, this was don't white, do it. White collar crime. White collar crime. White collar bank White collar crime. We had white collar on our t-shirt. <laughs> um, but, so we, we, we talked about it for a while, and his dad was basically a mail order scam artist. And... He basically concluded that there was nothing we could do in our lives that would be more profitable than selling diet pills. And he's like, we should just sell diet pills. And I was just like, I don't think I want to do that. And he's like, but we could do it. And I'm pretty sure he's rich somewhere, having sold, you know, he's probably one of those guys selling diet pills for $250 million a year. Sounds like he, he took the right path. I don't think so. He took some whack path. What do you do? Play a game? Play games, think about comic books and games. You know Travel how, some, eat food. You know how much food you could buy and how many comic books you could have if yeah. you had $250 million? <laughs> like, I put a pretty steep price on my soul. Like, seriously. I really do. I put a very steep price on my soul. I didn't know if you believed in the soul. Like, my, I believe in, like, a metaphorical soul. I don't believe in a literal soul. I'm not a witch. <laughs> We're five minutes, 46 seconds in. How many, how many listeners do we have left? Just Willie G, right? Not, not, not. Just Willie G. And can. Smitty. He's waiting to be mentioned. There, you've been mentioned. Now you can go home. <laughs> you can go home. <laughs> so, uh, all right, I have a theory. Yeah. This is gonna, I'm going to put forth a, a, a radical proposal. I believe that pre-releases should be eliminated. What? Yeah, I don't think there should be You don't any think more anyone pre- should make money? No. No, no, that's not what I'm going to suggest. I just think, remember, do you remember, like, when you'd go to a pre-release way back when, like, go to the Mirage pre-release? Like, what was it, like, two years before the cards came out Tempest after that? was the first pre-release I ever attended. I wrote an article about it, and you were like, well, man, you slammed us. <laughs> that was the first one I ever attended. Nice. You remember that one? No, did we not publish that in the book? Uh, we, we might not have. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you, 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 I, I came on, you, like, did a response, you're like, Wow, that was brutal. I got cheated against, like, multiple rounds oh. or something. I'd never played in a pre-release before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... But I, I, that was, like, during my entitled phase. Like, sure. Since... Uh, from the starting point... Entitled phase goes, what, through your 40s? <clears throat> I just, like, stopped being entitled a long time ago. But, like, from, like, maybe around... The first time I won a PTQ until... I don't know. 2000 and something. At, at least through 2000... That's why you made four years there. I don't think I was entitled anymore after around 2001. I probably still seemed like, but I actually doesn't want... I wasn't actually entitled. But, like, I felt like I should just win on account of I was a pro tour player and, like, other people were scrubs. And sure. That was that whole culture we had sure, back then, sure. though. Like, you know, young speds, Jason Opalka, you know. Like, grown-up speds aren't like that at all, but they all ended up libertarian. <laughs> <coughs> but... Um, yeah, you know, like, that was, like, the influence back then. And then, like, you know, 
there's like the us versus them, and you're just desperate to be in the us category. Or I was anyway. Sure. I wasn't really. I was kind of like on the fringe of the us category. I was good friends with people who were in the us category, but I corresponded with them in chat rooms. Uh, you know, it's weird, you know, like, ten years later, I'm actually friends with, like, you know, some of them. But, sure, like, sure. at the time when we all took Magic, winning at Magic was the most serious thing in the world to us. Yeah. Um, like, I went through this really entitled phase. And, uh, and I was, like, you know, and the notion that I would lose a match at a pre-release was, was <laughs> ludicrous, right? So I played in that one. Well, let's see. I don't know if I played in a pre-release between that. I might have played in Weatherlight. But, but you remember, like, the, the pre-release would happen, and then it would be, like, weeks like, weeks before the cards came out. Like, you'd, you'd hoard those packs like they were gold for drafts. I, first of all, I never drafted until I was qualified for a draft pro tour. I never actually played in the drafts until And now. even then, you still hate drafts. And I, I love drafting. I just don't do it. Don't like the act of hanging out with your friends and playing Magic? I mean, I can... You know Eric Berger, right? Yeah. So, one night I'm at Shake Shack with, like, Finkel and those guys, and Berger just happens to be there. He, like, looks at me and he's like... Do you have some other group of friends that you play magic with? <laughs> like a secret group of friends? Like why don't you come play magic with us? <laughs> but I was like, yo, I'm here at Shake Shack. <laughs> it's like this is a post magic activity. But I wasn't playing magic. I just yeah. went to Shake Shack, like land and anyway. Um I don't remember that at all. I, I don't remember caring about limited. Right. You so, know what I don't get? How I had every card back then. Is it just the cards were way cheaper? I had, like, I mean, every card you would have. There certainly weren't multiple cards that were... Like, a card that was $20 yeah. was the was the exception that, like, a $100 card is today, right? Like, a Curse Scroll being 20 bucks. Yeah, you know, and I have multiple porn... I think I have at least two sets of Curse Scrolls, including Japanese ones. Like, that... Which is ridiculous to me. You know, I found 19 Force of Wills last week. I know, I know. I want to borrow four. Yeah, you can like, I'm just gonna like ship into people I like. I think yeah, I have yeah, more than I had, in more than enough. I might only need to borrow three. But yeah. I have three. I think the thing is, I found at least a set, maybe six mint ones. I should probably. You should just. Those. You should just. You should just get those like graded or something. Yeah. So like, so it's weird. I just like the first drawer I went through. The cards were completely unsorted, but every column had at least a force of will. And the thing was, I didn't talk to MTG Metagame yet, so I didn't know what to pull. So I just pulled like force of will, and then I started pulling. These are the cards I pulled. Gaia's Blessing, because I knew I only had two in New York. You don't need more than two. Yeah. But I'm like, this seems like a card that's weird to only have two of. And then I pulled, like, every Nomad's Encore, because I couldn't find an epic Nomad's Encore when I had a legacy. I'm like, how do we not have a Nomad's Encore? So I, I pulled those. I pro tour Sam Nomad's Encores, even, from back when I was qualified for the Pro Tour. Anyway. And you cared about limited. So, yeah, I had I had 19, I found 19 Force of Wills, which is, I had five Force of Wills, so I have 24, six sets. Uh, That's pretty sick. I don't know. The thing is, like, a lot of them are beat to hell, and you just don't get it. I bought those for a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I, I like it. it was you and was it you and Worth just talking about how many like play sets of Force of Wills and Wastelands you just do you know how I even got on this? Away? Yeah, me and Pakula. Do you know how I even got oh, on this? Pakula, yeah. So the first time I went to Seattle for business was about three months ago. I had dinner with Worth, and he's like, "We're just drawing about some cards," and. He's like, blah, 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 Wasteland. I'm like, oh, I have some of those. He's like, really? Do you have a lot? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe 60. Like, I have a lot, you know, whatever the number is. And I'm like, what are they worth, like 15 bucks? But he's like, hey, I'll take them off your hands. <laughs> not, I'm just joking, you know. Like, it's not, he was not making a serious offer to, but he's just like, I think you should look up what they're worth. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, 
the buy price is like $45 or something on that card. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah. So, no, I tried to move force wheels to the Star City, and then they wouldn't buy them from me. Or they wouldn't buy them from me at a good price. Yeah. Because, like, mine are beat the hell. <laughs> so, I mean, I got, like, 45 in trade for them, like, yeah, right. which is different from 45 in cash. But I, I got enough that I never had to buy any cards. Yeah. You know? So, But the, the thing is, anyone who owns... I know, we started on what equipment do you use to record? Apparently, sirens, jackhammers, fire trucks. So anyway, long story short, um, uh, you know, anyone who owns all these cards like we do... I don't own all those cards. I've sold my cards I mean, constantly since the two, year 2000. I, I, I don't own, like... This is the thing that... I think I'm down to oversized Vanguard cards to have something to sell. So, so one of the things I pulled... No one even commented. Like, they commented about different cards I posted. Because um, I don't have a complete set. I somehow don't have a complete set of Antiquities Mistress Factories. When I played in the Star City Invitational, I looked and two of my Mistress Factories matched. So this is obviously shady operations, right? Like, I should just play Mistress Factories that match. But how many people can play a set of... Of Mission Strikers. I own a set, so right. I'm like, how did I not put the right one? So I got two different ones from one of the, I have like six Mission Strikers, and I probably don't have one of the arts. I'm guessing an O'Mahony Schwartz brother stole one from me. That's, that's my, like, if I don't know what it is, like, uh, Danny OMS. <laughs> um, uh, anyway. Pre release. Pre release. I know. Pre releases, okay. So, so we shouldn't have pre releases. Well, I think we should just have... I think we're finally at the point where there's some pre-releases have gone from being these large events run regionally by tournament organizers to events that are currently run regionally by tournament organizers and local game stores to events that are now run exclusively by local, at, by local game stores. So over the weekend, you know, a lot of people were talking. They're like, oh, there's not enough local game stores in my area. Certainly in New York, there was a dearth of seats for the amount of asses that wanted to be sitting down opening up Magic 2012 packs. And you're talking about the largest, most important city in the sure. United States. Very expensive to open yeah. up a store. You know, there's maybe... You know anyone seats. who's ever run a store in yeah, the Yeah, 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 yeah. 32, maybe 40 seats at neutral at uh, Jim Hanley's Universe. 32 seats. Maybe, yeah. There's like 40 seats in Brooklyn at 20-sided gamers. Probably 100 seats at Alex's at King's Games. And, there's, and, and product allocations at their sites. probably at least 400 people who want to play in the metro area. Right? Sure. Yeah, you got to assume a lot of people come in from New Jersey so they can go to the Jersey stores. Yeah. But obviously there's there's a supply-demand issue. And so one of the things I posted <laughs> or on Facebook this weekend that was apparently somewhat controversial. And you know I sort of eschew controversy generally. But yeah, you're like the anti-me? Yeah. Uh, was that, like, hey, look, if because of this whole, you know, obviously people are excited about the idea of opening stores. You could definitely get that sense on Twitter and on yeah. Facebook from different people, like, well, maybe I should see what rents cost in Bath, England, and in New York, and, you know, people are obviously thinking about it. It's like, look, if people open up a store in your area, just support them, right? Like, don't buy your packs and don't buy your 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 singles online if you can get a comparable price or a slightly higher price I mean, from you your shipping, local game store. Is it really that different? Well, even if you pay shipping, I mean, there's just costs associated with opening a brick and mortar store, right? I'm talking about the consumer. Oh, sure. So after shipping, like you know, yeah. shipping ain't free, right? And the immediacy of just saying, "Oh, I want those cards," and looking at them, and you know, being able to make that immediate purchase. There's just like just support these guys. If someone opens up a store, provide the place for you to play games. 
try to patronize them with your business. Fairly, mildly controversial, but that's neither here nor there. But it got me. This is a good question. You know, talking about how TCG Player, I mean, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but we talked about it personally. TCG Player basically bent over backwards to, quote, do the right thing for the Chicago tournament. Oh, yeah, we should should definitely talk about that on the podcast. But but then also you have a site like Star City Games and probably maybe even to a greater degree Channel Fireball. As far as I can tell, their entire business models are predicated on buying equity with the... with the. the marketplace by putting out great content. So sure. people like love the content. They love in in particular. Let's say they love Luis Capargas, or in particular they love. You could say they love you. I was going to say Patrick or Evan. Evan's probably a better sure, example. Sure. They love Evan or they love Luis, and they come to the site on a regular basis to consume content created by Luis or Evan, and in return they they make online purchases from X Store or TCG Player is doing a bang up business. They've really grown their store over the last year and. You know, like they, they're more—they're almost like the Amazon. They're, they're more like—they're like the the Amazon of Magic Singles, like, right? They, they have a really interesting, great model. Actually, uh, they don't hold any inventory, but they're like—they're a big driver of Channel Fireball's business, for example. Right. It's like that too. Um, and you know, when I was when I was there, I bought basically all my singles from Channel Fireball through TCG Player. I mean, you know, just kind of support the home team. Uh, and but anyway, long story short. I think that part of the controversy comes from the fact that all these business models are predicated on buying goodwill and equity from the community. If they've all spent the last 10 years or Channel Fireball the last four years or whatever it is, three years, buying equity with the community and generating all this love for Luis or Paulo or Patrick or Evan or Nick Spagnolo or whoever it is, maybe it grates with someone to say that you shouldn't support these people, that they're built equity. You should should certainly support whoever you want to support. But I think that if you're complaining that there's not a store in your community, and then someone comes and puts a store in your community, you're not going to be able to, no matter how many Kit Kats you can eat, you're not going to support them with your soda and candy sales. Right? Like, they're, they're in business as a, as a magic retailer, and yet playing in tournaments and buying snacks is going to do something, but ultimately you also need to patronize them with your business. When Neutral Ground... When you ran Neutral Ground, or when there was Neutral Ground in New York, I bought pretty much all my singles from Neutral Ground. I didn't buy any boxes, but I didn't buy any boxes at all. Right, right. So, um, I don't know. I remember I wrote in an interview once that I bought a set of something or other. <laughs> there was like an editor's note, like, you should actually not buy your singles from your local store. You should buy it from here. Oh, Where? What? Where was that? No, did I put that in? No. Oh, it was in a different site? Yeah. <laughs> I was being interviewed by a site. There was actually maybe... I, I, had, I took about a, at least a year off of writing. Yeah. Like around 2000, I think, which is weird. That was like amongst my most prolific and successful terms as a deck designer. I'm a tournament player. Um, I just didn't write any articles for about a year. And, but, you know, people told me who I was and someone did an interview with me. And right, they're right. like, oh, where do you buy your singles? I'm like, I buy them from Neutral Ground. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you did not put this in the interview. I'll find the link and send it to you. Not saying where it was. It would be embarrassing for all involved. Well, not me. I I did the right thing. Um, I I agree with you. Like like I said, I... I, Obviously, obviously people make a choice. Like, obviously, I'm not saying you should pay $140 for a box if you can get your boxes for $90. But if, like, your local game store is selling it for $95 or whatever, like, maybe that $5, you know... What's a chase for a cost Maybe that's a dollar. Today? Maybe that's a dollar. Consider that a dollar admission fee a day. I don't know. What's We're just a, saying. What's a chase for a cost today? 
Like some the equivalent of a spirit monger or a Maget of the Lion, not the equivalent of Jason Lance. I don't know, twenty bucks. Really? That's like a chaser out price. I, I think I bought my like Mag- fifteen to twenty five. I bet my Magettas from you for like eight dollars, I think. Yeah. Like something like that. It didn't seem too bad. Troublesome spirit was like four dollars maybe. Magetta eight was probably a little high, but I mean I don't know, I can't really think of a better card at the time. Yeah. Was I mean what were their better cards? I don't even, yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean Magetta was pretty good. Whoever had that card usually won the game. Yeah. I, he was basically the Jason Mind sculptor of the day, if you think oh, about it that way. Good. It was unbeatable, right? Like, it didn't even matter the card advantage. Would that card be good if it was reprinted today? The problem is... Would the, it be good if it was reprinted? The legend rule. Back then, if you put, played the Magetta, it was next to impossible to remove. So if you're going to... Oh, because re- I played the second one, it just you, died. Yeah. And the first one lived. Lives. So that's why I didn't win three PTQs. Because, like, my opponent would have, like, won the flip or something. I have, like, three Magettas on hand. For modern legend rule, blah, 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 the game... Tournament's over. Right, you just here. double negative there, Magetta. Yeah, so, <laughs> or like, I was like in a spot against Matt Rubin, who I don't even know if he won the PTQ. He beat me in like top four or something. I, I drew only lands, and I made like every sick play. Like, uh, like he waved my Magetta, played his Magetta, like I responded by disenchanting his parallax wave. Like, every play like that that was insane I made, I still like flooded out or whatever. Yeah. But, it was weird. Like I, I won that match every single time except in the top eight. In the top eight, I lost every single time. But it was always a, like random garbage. It made me so angry. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I'm going back. I'm, so I'm thinking about this. Uh, you know, I was thinking a little bit about this uh, controversy and this idea. And I think part of what happens is people go now to the pre-release. They go to their local game store. They play in the pre-release. They get super excited, right? They're like, yes. M12's awesome, right? I want to get yep. M12. And they're like, let me buy a box. Come back next week. Oh, all right. Go home. It's Tuesday. You're online. There's an ad on TCG Player, an ad on Channel Fireball, an ad on... And you're just like, click yes. Yes, I'm so excited. I just want to draft. I just want to yeah. crack packs. And it's like, you know what? I think maybe just maybe the pre-release is, an, is a relic of a bygone era. Like, maybe you just do release of it. Yeah, I think that's not a bad idea. Like it's just hey, it's this Friday, you know, this Friday at midnight or what this the Friday. There's been a pre-release and a release. Well, that's what I'm saying. And then these stores, every store can run one. You don't even have to be a licensed store, right? You just have to have a distributor. You can run an event and you can do whatever. The only way you're going to get the pre-release, you know, participation foils and the top 8 prizes and all that kind of cool promo stuff is by being a WPN affiliated, you know, whatever hoops you have to jump through to get those. But people come into your store. You can run events from, you know, Friday at 5 p.m. through Sunday all weekend long as long as you have product. People want to buy product. You can just sell it to them. <laughs> right? You can, can have you a crack for singles. You can just crack for singles. People can people can have a tournament on Sunday. You can have a standard tournament on Sunday. Right? Like, you know. This is a great idea. It's so exciting. It's so much more exciting. And I think a pre-release has just lost its luster in the sense that, like, it, they're, it, just it, they're just released events. They're just released events. I'm convinced. And then you know what you get to do? Remember, you know how next year there's like this 40 Grand Prix? Yeah. What if you took three Grand Prix through the course of the and year? And made them reveal these events? Free release events. Those are actually, it's like, welcome to Grand Prix Philadelphia. I don't know if there's a Grand Prix Philadelphia or not. I'm just picking a city out of random. Welcome to Grand Prix Philadelphia. It is the second oh, set of Innistrad pre-release. I have a better idea than that. You know how the Pro Tours are private? <laughs> 
What if you make those the pre-releases? You could, well, that's... Concurrence. Oh, my... Do you remember the Nemesis pre-release at Pro Tour LA? Like, I scrubbed out of day one, lost my invitation on Unlimited, and won so many pre-release flights, I was qualified by 20 points on rating again. It was, like, unreal how much I won pre-release Yeah, but, flights. well, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. But I think, I think Grand Prix is actually... Like, that... You know, people want that public... You know, you could do one in Europe... You could do one in Asia and one in North America and have, like, this giant event. Maybe, you know... But why not make it the Pro Tour? Because the Pro Tour is... Now put it in the next room to the Pro Tour. It's not the Pro Tour. Yeah, but that's not the... That the whole, I think the whole point of the private Pro Tour is oh, to have smaller right. venues and to be able to so do So we can do more stuff. interesting things. Yeah. Right, do more interesting stuff, yeah. But, like, if you do it... like the idea, And the idea is that the big-scale events that people get to participate in a Grand Prix. So, like, how cool would it be if there was once in yeah, a, cool. per year in North America was a Grand Prix, a pre- limited pre-release, and it's a Grand Prix. So what's going to happen to the tournaments next year? Star City, Star City events up until, you know, the kind of... It, it's actually a literal implosion, I think, based not because Star City did anything wrong, but uh, non-popularity based on Stone Fortunistic and Jason Mindsculptor. Up until that rubber band effect happened, Gangbusters... Uh, Gangbusters attendance, and even their legacy, their legacy popularity is huge. Right. Um, but I guess the anticipation is that now that we don't have the Jason Fort Mystic issue, that should pick back up. But co- direct competition on a weekend by weekend basis with uh, with Grand Prix, you I think mean, that's going to cost the, attendance? The, the, or? the Grand Prix are going to be, first of all, there have been Grand Prix and Star Cities on the same weekend before, right? Like, I, I, I just think, I don't, I don't think they're really. I think, you know, probably people need to keep an eye on stuff, not have them be, you know, in the same city. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. I think two things I think Star City did really, really well that is all the sites have their own tournament series to, to greater and smaller amounts of fanfare. Number one, the thing that they did really, really well was the GG's Live coverage. And they literally made household names of Edgar Flores, AJ Stalker, Drew Levin, and, and Jerry. Right. And, I mean, like, those guys are like... Osip says, and I think he's right, they're more famous to people who read magic articles than the average Pro Tour winner. I disagree. I mean, there's a lot of people who just sit there and bird Pro Tours. I mean, bird uh, bird magic. It's orders of magnitude. I mean, I I can't get into numbers, but it's not close. I'm not talking about how... I'm talking about the Q rating is high. Yeah, but it's not as... it's, It's not the same. I don't believe it. But, like... The amount of people that watch like a pro tour versus the amount of people that watch oh, a I have no question that the booth on a Sunday pro tour is a much bigger deal. But it's the recurrence of the same names in multimedia oh, sure. and like there's not a hundred million magic. I gotta tell you something. I gotta tell you something. I deal with like through like GBC through some of the work we do, I deal with people who have like a tangential interest in magic. They know are Louis Scott Vargas and I said Gabriel Nassi. The average pro no, no, top no. eight guy, not the superstars. But of I'm the saying, game. What I'm saying is they they know the stuff that they get through the official coverage and the Star City stuff is still or the TCG player stuff. Or all that what stuff. TCG it's, players? Well, stuff, whatever. Right? It's all kind of fringy to them. If the I, TCG player guys are listening, this is this is the message I have for you. <laughs> I think I pro- I speak for myself for sure. Is writing a minorly popular column for the MCG. Maybe, maybe you've heard of 
you've heard of it. It used to be called Swimming with Sharks. And maybe Brian, who, who writes about the personalities of the game, maybe helped inflate the, the ego and reputation of Edgar Flores. <laughs> would do some coverage. We would be happy to shut up their necklace. Talk to when Kyle Sanchez won, boom, we had Kyle Sanchez on Daily MTV. I was having a discussion with a pretty important editor of a, of a large site last night. And he was like, just looking at the, the tournament you won. That was a pretty ridiculous top eight run. I'm like, yeah. I beat the constructed North American Grand Prix winner. Then I beat Reed, who top eighted the Legacy Grand Prix the next week. Who, by the way, by the way, I share your opinion of. He's good. Being the nut. Yeah, yeah. he's really good. And then my final opponent is the biggest star on the Star City Tour. And you know how many people knew? No one. And there was <laughs> there was nothing so even on the internet I, I for be- two days. I believe Rashad yeah. is going to be set up as Gigi's Live for the 75K in Chicago. I'm just saying, like, this is a, a clear opportunity. I mean, they, maybe they don't have to do... Like, what Star City's done is very elaborate. They fly people out every week, you know. They have, like, they have their whole, like, their entire B-squad is there, right? Like, Evan's not there on site, but he's got Glenn Jones, full-time coverage guy. Uh, Mole Drifting's there, and then they've got, like, two well-known people on every single event, right? I mean, maybe you don't have to go... And then, plus, they have Rashad, etc., and his whole setup. Not anymore. Rashad's not there anymore. Oh, he's not? He no. was at the last one. He's not there anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or not. Yeah. So, anyway, the fact is... They're like, see you, Rashad! Thanks for the ideas! There's an opportunity <laughs> here, because, I mean, just... I mean, I don't know how ever... I don't even know when they have a big event, because... <laughs> I visit their site every week, and I, I, I honestly cannot tell you, I did not know if I was invited for sure to the Chicago I didn't either. thing. I didn't either. I had to make, you saw me start yelling yeah, at Franklin on every social media. I was like, I, I, how do I even know? Like, I, I assume I, right. I have a buy. So let's know? talk for a second about this TCG Player 75K. Yeah. This is kind of a, I think, uh, an undersold, like, really hasn't gotten, I mean, there was a lot of attention to it on Twitter yeah. when we, you and I were tweeting about it a couple weeks ago. But so, over, for the past year, Going back to, like, I think the release of Scars of Mirrodin, which was that weekend event in New York. I mean, that's the been, one that you top eight? Yeah, I top four, yeah. They've been running these, uh, you know, like, what, what were originally called 5Ks, and then it become like they... become, like, three to nine Ks, which, and it's all the, these events that eventually qualify you for this $75,000 TCG player what they were calling the Wizard World Series. How does the $75,000 purse compare to Star City Invitational Purse? I don't even know what the... I have no idea. Is. Are they I similar? I mean, $20,000 for price is probably similar. That must be bigger than what Star City's putting out. Not for their for their Invitational? Twenty? No, nobody got $20,000 for that. I don't know. You get like seven fifty for top 32 at this thing, I think. I mean... You continue. I don't know what the breakdown is. I don't know what it is either. This is how much we know about We don't even know. Yeah, yeah. So, We're both qualified. So anyway, so people have been qualifying at these events, going to Wizard World. So they also have, like, local ones, like, Alice is going to put one every couple right, weeks, There's right? two, two tracks you can qualify for. You can go to these, like, Wizard World events where you can accumulate points. Very similar to the Star City system. You accumulate, like, Wizard World points. And they're very regular. They have these big events right. in big at, cities. At Wizard World comic book conventions. Every couple weeks. And then there were these store events... That were happening, which were like one slot events, and right? And Star City actually aped to the second track, and right. they added that themselves right, to their right, own right. tour this year. Right. So, yeah, no good idea goes unpunished in the Magic community. Yeah, everyone... 
Yeah, so I mean, yeah. TCG player had it first, and this, in this case, I mean, just like the premium right. concept, yeah, yeah. TCG player had it first. <laughs> Star City's like, oh, we can do this a little bit better. <laughs> and they did, they did. Yeah, they did. no, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so basically, Comic-Con in Chicago, Chicago, Wizard World Chicago Comic-Con, is supposed to be the site of this Wizard World series. Colossal, final, like $75,000, and, you know, people are supposed to go there, and it's like, hey, where's the information about this? Look on TCG Player, look on Wizard World. It's just not there. And, you know, everyone, I think, got this, like, creeping sense of dread in their stomach. They're like... I was on vacation while it was happening, so I didn't know. I was just kind of like, oh... I was just like, give I'm me the inv- 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 yeah. information, I'll go. You know, it's the kind of like, it's too good to be true kind of thing, right? You know? And so... And then... Someone's like, oh, don't worry, we're going to put someone sent me back channel message. Like, we're going to post something tomorrow. Yeah. Don't worry. And I'm like, oh, good. And then they post it. And, like, I was kind of flabbergasted because the implication of the statement, although it's not said explicitly, is that Wizard World just... Disappeared. Just Oops. walked away from them. And, and like... They were, like, the corporate sponsor of They this. were the corporate sponsor of it. They were... And they were... I think the most important thing is they were providing the venue for it. Right? They were like, you come to Chicago Comic Con... Wizard World Chicago Con, whatever it's called, and that's where the tournament's going to be, and you get a free pass to come in, and you get... it's not being held there. They don't have a space. They're like, hey, can you, can you, you know, they can't switch weekends. You know, I imagine some amount of prize money was being put forth by, you know, by it's, not, it's not like the money from all those events that were being run at the Wizard Worlds was going to TCG Player necessarily. Oh, they, had, they had to pay tournament fees. They had to pay Rob Doherty. Well, I'm, I'm saying, yeah. So I don't know how that even worked. I mean, I can just tell you this. Like, I think that Wizard World was responsible for monetizing the events. And I know that in the New York event... Do you remember the one that you talked for? There weren't very many dealers. Right, right, right. Like, they were supposed to fill that area with, like, you know, lucrative dealers. Right, right, right. And then Chetty had to do it himself at the last minute because nobody called the dealers. And so, like, a big part of the the point of having a big tournament is... You have dealers who buy and sell cards. Right. I mean, that's a... Hey, what business is Star City Games in? Right. They buy and sell cards. That's why you go to a Star City event. They have a huge booth to sell singles to people playing in the tournament and to buy singles to, you know, fuel their core business of an online store. And there were, like, three small dealer tables in the middle of New York City. Right. So the, the last one, the one that I won, there, there, were, there was a stronger dealer presence. But right. um, So, basically, I think they were faced with the idea of canceling it. Running, what would that have done to their credibility? Running running it at a reduced prize payout. Right? Like, these are, I'm, like, trying to figure out what they're going to do. I'm like, oh, man, are they going to, you know, is this going to be, like, one of those 5Ks that became a 2K? Is it going to, you know, what are they going to do? mine was a 9K that became a 5K. Yeah, it was like, what's it going to do? And then they I were just like, yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, that we're just going to... That's classy. Yeah. We're just we don't gonna, usually see the classy. No. <laughs> they're like, she we're just... extra. They're like, we're just going to honor the full $75,000 cash purse. They went out and rented, like, people were like, I can't believe they're running it at two sites. They had to rent, like, a different site. There's actually, if you play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you're going to be at three different venues. So, because they needed to cobble it together. You're going to come back early, right? I I think I want to go Friday and try to ground in. I mean, it depends what's important. Try to get a buy. So, I don't have to play until Saturday night, right? No, me neither. So, I I would think it's almost like you don't have a lot of. It depends what you want to do. You want to go, you want to play Magic, you want to, like, have a weekend. I totally celebrate it. been doing this my entire adult life, right? right I love right. doing that, right? But, I mean, 
be. I'm like, I don't have to take any time off work. I can sleep in. I'm just going to fly in earlier in the day. That seems like a, right, right. Uh, a better a better plan for me. Um, I think Satan's going to come out. Yeah? Yeah. Like, just try to grind. Just try to win a 16-person event. I mean, it, they had some flaws in their system. Fernando's also qualified. So, I don't know if you knew this. The, the New York one that you came in top four, the day before the standard event. Oh, so crazy. More than 50% of the guys who made top eight had, like, three buys or whatever because they just grinded. So, I mean, it seems like grinding is a pretty good idea. I don't, I don't think you can get more than one buy. I have so. a buy. So, th- this is the thing that's, that's, that's nuts to me. I first of all, it, the idea that I would be qualified for a bigger event did not enter into my mind while I was winning the event that I had. Right, right, right. It was not until the finals when Edgar asked me, he's like, he's like, you want to split? You want to scoop? And I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to scoop unless you entice me with more than let's scoop. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I have to win every event. And I'm like, well, you can earn it then. I'm like, I'll gladly sell you the scoop. <laughs> he's like, no. And I'm like, I'm like, we're playing for prison, you know, like whatever it is. So I beat him and he's like, no, I really wanted the buy. And I'm like, there's a buy? What are you talking about? There's a tournament? And I'm like, Rob's like, yeah, you're qualified for the 75 game <laughs> Really? That's how it works? They just like, I just like, oh, there's a, I almost made a play. Like, all the time, like, handed me, like, blue red deck that I posted on Star City the day, the day before I was going to play. And I was like, alright, this deck was pretty good in testing. <laughs> I guess I'll give it a run. <laughs> 12 hours later. Did you learn to play the deck over the course of the tournament? I mean, I did not. That's a, that's a great example of, like, not knowing how to play the deck. However, my deck was so much better than the other deck. I was I was definitely reminded of Steve playing in Columbus, watching you play at that moment. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if I... The problem is, I did that photo that week before I started the invitation. Sure. If I had had that deck. How great would Twinblade have been? So, so do you think that people are just blading still in standard? I mean, I blade in standard. Wouldn't you blade? They're just running four hawks for. I don't have any hawks. Okay. Just like uh, Pierce Steel Paladin is the only hawk for me, and all my guys are just living weapons. So did you see? Did you see the deck Pascal Menard played in uh, the, the gravitational ship? Yeah, 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 yeah. In the Canadian pro- in the Canadian Magic Tour. So is this on KYT's site? I think it's. I think the deck list. I have the deck list somewhere. I can post it in the text of this. Oh, ship it to me. I'll put it in top decks. Yeah, I, yeah. I was going to put I, up the I Polish... I did. You were away that week. I couldn't show I'm, I'm putting the Polish Nationals decks up because there was no events last week. Right. So, Pascal plays, like, basically just plays Callblade. <laughs> but he's got four Hawks. Okay. He's got, you know, no Jace. I think he, maybe he had baby Jace. But he's playing Gravitational Shifts. And so, Gravitational Shifts... I know he's playing four, four Hawks, three Amiria Angels. Yeah. So, Gravitational Shift is... Those were all his creatures. And gravitational shift is just creatures with flying get plus two, plus zero. Creatures without flying get minus two, minus zero. So he's like, bring on your goblin guides and your graveborn news, your graveborn Oh man. Your grave type Terrible. You know, your spell skites can't do anything. I mean, not your spell skites, your, uh, deceiver eggs are just like, but it costs a million, million mana, right? Yeah, it costs five. No one's going to think to enter the royal that before they kill you. Well, I mean, I think the idea is that you have all their cards. Yeah, you, you might resistance. kill them and, like, it's like an overrun, right? right so right, right. you got, like, two or three guys, boom, this thing, you're attacking for nine instead right. of for three. Right, it's right, a, right. It hits pretty quick, and then you have your into the royals and your yeah. tricks and your spell skites, maybe, or whatever. 
So what, have, what do you play against online? Everyone seems to be playing. Blue black control is really common. Mono red, mono black, and then a little blue white. I've, I've only been really early in drafting, so I just I figure the set, the format's going to be different. So many people blue black control. Yeah. No one Valakuts. You know why? It stinks. I like Birthing Pod seems like it's got to be really good post M12. The only person who Birthing Podded against me in the last two weeks is Patrick Chapin. Did he? Oh, that, that bodes well for Birthing Pod. <laughs> he did. I mean, we, we played it. We played the match like three or four. We've played different decks. We played like three or four times. The matches were all tight, and he won all of them. But like some of them were just comical. Of like he was, he was like one outers. Just play it with just play it with four squadron arcs, birthing squad. <laughs> he was like like literally he was like bet you thought you had this one. He has no cards in hand. He's like one outer is his six. One outer his seven. Like not birthing potting it, just like drawing them. Sure, but look, but but look at what you can do. Like, look at what happened to the four five slot. Yeah. Over the last oh couple my God. weeks, solemn simulacrum, solemn simulacrum into vengeful archon. Venge, which one's vengeful? Vengeful archon is the four four flyer that when it dies, archon of vengeance. Archon of vengeance. Sorry. No, looking it up, I didn't have it. Yeah. Oh, Arch- that's, why did you just play four of that guy? You just cap out for him. High five, high five. Yeah, and then you birthing pot him away. He's and a go five. Get, he's a five. So you just go Cobra, Sackland, that guy, go, attack me, asshole. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like, bring it, and they're like, I choose not to bring it. <laughs> and then you're like, you're like, land, birthing pot, sack him. Like, well, first he's in for four, right? Yeah, and You're yeah. like, sack him, Titan? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, or, 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 um, worm coil engine, right? That's like, way better than an acidic slime. <laughs> yeah, it's really... I mean, acidic slime, I think you have to have acidic slime also. Why? Because uh, you need to be able to hit opposing birthing pods if it's really good. What about my anti-birthing pod technology? Yeah, Archon of Justice. Oh, right, we were right. both wrong, but it's, yeah, five. What about Mimic Man versus birthing pod? That seems like the stones to me. Like, uh, they pod, you've... All that. I'll just go get it. I mean, that's why I want this. That's why I think you have to have at least one or two acidic slime. Yeah, but you get the bonus, right? So they could take it out, but you get the bonus. It doesn't stick around, right? It's only till the yeah, end of the turn. Yeah, but you're going to, like, solemn up or something. It's going to sure, be super sure, sure. sick. Sure, sure, sure. But they have that three mana up also. Like, I don't I, don't, I mean, that. that's fine. I, think it's, I care about having an idea that I said I thought it up, and everyone has to admit that I thought I it up. I just like the solemn simulacrum to Archon to... Yeah, it's pretty much the stones. Yeah. What about Worm Coil Engine is the next one? Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just make it a Worm Coil Engine. And then you Worm Coil Engine into, into Elishnorn. And you're like, oh, look, I have two five fives and an Elish Norm. You know the problem with that deck is? What if you don't have, like, a second turn birthing pot because you need your hand of sixes and sevens? <laughs> what if they shock your Lotus Cobra? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the build is. That's so... I mean, obviously, it's super... So I think that... I think you can reasonably play You play... I mean, I, I wonder if you play... I always... Every time I build a deck like this, it has, like, all these kind of targets in the deck. I want CD on in the deck. Really? Why don't you I just, just want to shuffle stuff back. I don't know. Poor I, Jace. What did Jace ever do to anybody? Doesn't that look like Brooke? Brooke was in town, bit. right? Yeah, he's in town later this week, I think. Poor what Jace. Did, what did he ever do to anybody? What did he ever he do to anybody? All he did was win. Yeah, but in like, you know, in like three or four different decks. I think, I think, I mean, I think Jace got a bad rap. I, I love Jace. I mean, I... 
there's different there's different attitudes you take with this. If Chase weren't a hundred dollar card, would anyone have asked to have him banned? That's one question. He's not like Skullcup. Skullcup's an asshole, right? Yeah, he'd probably be much more comfortable asking maybe have him banned. Skullcup, it sucked, you know? Like, it was, like, so draw-dependent, hard to play around. Like, Jace, like, easy to play around. Like, it really is easy to play around. The, the format gave you, like, very good things that you could do. You can bias your deck, you can prepare for Jace, and Jace gives you time to win, you know? Well, you, you felt like, the thing is, when try. Jace was in play, you felt like you were playing Magic, at least? Yeah, like, they're, they have an advantage, sure. But, I mean, I've lost lots of games that I had Jace, you know? I've won many games my opponent had Jace. Not like, I mean, I've won most of the game my opponent had Skullclamp, but I had to think about that before the tournament. Most people run into someone with a Skullclamp, hey, Skullclamp, it's not fair. You know, like, so, you know, you can take that attitude as well, but I would even at least, cons- you know, when Kibler was playing my anti-Skullclamp deck in New York, U.S. Nationals, he lost to the dude who drew four Skullclamps, but... <laughs> It was tight. Like you do. <laughs> but it, it was like, he drew all four. You know, you can only do so much. Um, so, and I, you, you don't win every game by Magic the Gathering. Um, it's like, it's called Pepsi Asshole. That's what I think. Jace isn't. He's like, he's just, he's like Jackie Chan in a martial arts movie. This old dude, hard to beat. You can beat him. You can take a gun to the kickboxing fight. Maybe not. Just indie him? Among other things. Yeah. I think he just cost $100. It's a fun and like him. And Stoneforge missed it. I had no problems. Stoneforge missed it. What if they don't print Sword of Feast and Famine and Batter Skull? You still miss it Stoneforge Mystic? Probably not as much. Probably, probably not at all. How about that? Right. Like, I don't think there's a single skull. I don't think I'm pissed when Stoneforge Mystic goes gets uh, Sword of Blue and Green. That's just insulting that you should care that he got actually, sort of blue and green. I actually hate the whole cycle of swords. You hate the red blue one? I hate. I just hate the sword. Yeah, I've always. I just think they feel like when Satoshi Nakamura in the, in the context, was the first man to run the blue red sword context, in blue green opposition. He's the first person to sword ever. No one even thought about sorting, in the and he used it to so- solve problems that blue and green decks had. In the had. context of sword and stoneforge, yeah. I hate the swords. You hate? Do you hate stoneforge Jide? No, you see Stoneforge Jide as solving a problem, not being a problem. Yeah, right? I, I don't I don't hate it as much. I mean, it's obviously a pain in the ass. It's obviously ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. It's, a, it's a problem solver, not a problem maker. Right. See, the fact that you have this, like, highly inconsistent attitude is because there's nothing wrong with mostly it. Mostly because I just hate Sword Sword or Body of Mind. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, look, Blue Green Sword, thanks. Every deck I love to play, I gained it. Hope I draw an acidic slime. Oh, you're so special. That never happened to me or anything. No, it, I remember World's Prep when we get so many email trains like me and D-Will or like me and Andre and like, oh, this sort of body in mind is the worst. But luckily, it's only in horrible days. How come no one ever played, like, I know some people played Goto, but Goto actually seems like it must have been sick. Goto was sick. I didn't play Goto when I queued because, like, I just wanted to make my deck color consistent. Like, I wonder if Goto made people think Stoneforge would be okay. They're like, nothing happened with Goto. It just hinder him. <laughs> the go to Hinder. That was five mana though, bro. Sick. <laughs> that was such a great format. I love the formats where like you just prepare ahead of time, you don't get mana screwed. Or you play you, a three mana counterspell and win? And you're like, 
you, you know the matchups beforehand, and you just like go through them like boom, boom, boom. Your opponent does whatever you want them to do every turn, and then you crush the tournament. And I, I don't know, maybe that's why people didn't like Cobblade, because that's how it played. You know, like it had Preordain and Squadron Hawk, so that even when it had horrible draws, Preordain and Squadron Hawk fixed their draws. You know, or Stoneforge Mystic to a lesser. Like, a dude who's stuck on two lands but drew a Preordain into Stoneforge Mystic has a decent chance of beating Balakin, right? So. You like, I guess they didn't like that. That like you could be prepared for a tournament ahead of time, and then the Cobblade on Cobblade matches just went to the better, the better man every single time. Right. Define that however you want. Like, but you know, Patrick was saying like, you know, there, his draw was so much better than mine, but my play and my preparation was so much better than his, so I won. You know, you win on one life over and over again. It's like every little decision was so important in that in that mirror match and it wasn't about Jace. That's that's the thing that annoys me. People are like blah 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 Jace. Jace is so irrelevant a lot of the time. And I'm not downplaying how good Jace is. Jace is obviously super good. You watch how the main matches actually play out. They're about things like order pods, keeping people from being able to equip their their hawks. I, I, I certainly thought I, you like Gideon. There's a there's a chunk of time in the middle where Gideon was just a nut, right? There's all different things that you can reasonably like. What What do you think uh, the most impactful of the four, the five planeswalkers is going to be in new standard now? I mean, number one, Gideon. He's the you only. Gideon, yeah. He's the only card in the top ten of of uh, of M twelve. You don't think you don't think Chandra's? I mean, Chandra's next, but Gideon's the only one who's like a top twelve card. I, I did my top twelve cards. Uh, just I penciled them down. What do you think about this? Ponder number one. <laughs> Agree or no? It's got to be number one. Uh, sure. I, I don't know. Ponder, Mana Leak, Primeval Titan, uh, Birds of Paradise, uh, Gideon, Oblivion Ring. Um, Oblivion Ring, I think maybe I'd have a little higher. I, I was a question who's higher. Okay. This is the same. So. Oblivion Ring is certainly not better than Ponder, Mana Leak, or Primeval Titan. Agreed? Maybe. I don't know. Like, Oblivion Ring has been, like, completely absent from the format, and, like, it's the hard people have been trying out for. And, like, maybe we feel differently about Jace if Oblivion Ring has been out the entire time? A year ago, I played against Oblivion Rings all the time. I was, like, preparing for Oblivion Rings. I played Pyromancer Ascension, and I knew that if my opponent was playing an Oblivion Ring deck, and Oblivion Ring is the card that's good against Pyromancer Ascension, I knew I was going to win. So... I'm not really that scared of Oblivion Ring. Okay. Like, you, you I mean, if you, if you put it in the context of one specific deck that it wasn't good against... No, okay, how about this? Oblivion Ring versus Into the Royal. Who wins? Oblivion Ring looks pretty bad when you're fighting against Into the Royal, right? Sure. So, anyway, I, have a, I still, still think it's pretty good, yeah. but I don't have it over Gideon because Gideon's the active card okay. and Oblivion Ring's the answer. So it's I like, also think I probably have Gideon a little further up the chain, but God. I, okay, I, I can see that, but which is better? It's not better than Ponder. Ponder's I, the I, best by a mile. I mean, What's the best remaining card in standard before M12? Jason's on Forge rotated. What's the best card? I, I, I don't... I tend to not... Snap preordained. Sure. Not close, I, right? I tend to not give those cards... Like, I view them as... I don't know. The fact that there's more preordains than there are mana leaks and jaces and I top understand. eights. I understand. I understand. That doesn't mean anything to you? And no, the best decks all game with it? Like, Ponder's the best. Ponder's the preordain that they play in Legacy. <laughs> That's, like, you're like, you remember when you did your Blood Braid off dossier? When you do the Ponder dossier, I'd be like, I'm Ponder, the preordain that's good enough for Legacy. <laughs> preordain, mana leak. 
Primeval Titan. And I think I was generous to Primeval Titan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, like, those three, Birds of Paradise next. I wanted Birds of Paradise ahead of Primeval Titan. You know why? Because it will win more games. But, like, people are like, I like Primeval Titan. The fact that it doesn't actually go in decks that beat the beat the tight decks. Anyway, um, and then uh, Gideon, Oblivion Ring, uh, and then what do I have next? Uh, then some Titans. I, I think I had Frost. I don't know who's better, Frost or Grave. What about what about Inferno? I have him as Titan Five right now. Really? I think and Sun. Like they're they're all just. I, I have Sun is just on the outside of the top twelve. But like, there's other really good cards. You can't you can't just yeah, no, forget about them. Like, I mean, I have Solemn ahead of. Ahead of Sun Titan. Actually, actually Solomon might be like. Solomon's a top Solomon card. might be. And I have Mana Barbs ahead of, ahead of Sun Titan. I, I, I was, and this is the card I was going to ask you about. I think Mana Barbs is it's like. It's insane. It's just a big deal. Yeah. Like all the decks that are good don't want a Mana Barbs in play. The decks that are garbage can compete because of Mana Barbs. Yeah. Like. I mean, it was, I, I remember I'd, I was playing in Station I, you know, Ford at Nationals seen... last year. I had to play so well against his Mana Barbs. Like, he's like, can you even win? And I was I mean, like. I Here's the thing. Can a Mana Barb's deck ever disenchant anything? Why not? Generally. There have all kinds of disenchanting stuff. Yeah. Oh, you know what's humiliating? You're playing against this blue-green poison deck. I yeah, play against yeah, yeah, yeah. it in the medium amount. That's among the decks that the Paladin deck always beats. <laughs> okay. Like, no matter how badly behind you are early, you always come back and win. You know why? They can't beat a Spell Skite. Um, that's one. They're really bad against a Mortar Pod. They can get it in combat. <laughs> They're pretty bad against a mortar pod. <laughs> oh, did you ha- did you happen to be at twenty? Can you pay for your small sky all night yeah. long? Oh, interesting. So, th- th- these are some factors that are better than. And if you get one of your swords, <laughs> like not winning very many fights. So I'm playing, and then, like we go to sideboard games, and he like naturalizes. I think my spell sky. I think, and I was just like, I didn't want to say anything to him because like I didn't want him to feel like an idiot. Why would you ever naturalize in that deck? The one mana one is way better in a deck that doesn't care about your sure, life. Sure, 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 sure. Like that card's like a nickel card. Like right. why would you Does naturalize? Naturalize enchantments. Yeah, but the other one doesn't. Right? Oh, it doesn't. Oh, maybe no. It I does. Think it hits both. It hits both too. Yeah. Why would you ever game with that card instead of the one that costs one mana? Yeah, yeah. You certainly don't care about giving your opponent four life. Oh my. A myriad spell skite sun titan is very difficult to beat. Yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> like. The opponent decks, they try. They have to work so hard to beat. Like the reason the white deck is good is because it beats anyone who's trying to fight an attrition game with you. If you if they if they go over the top, like blue white can like I can kill no matter how many creatures you have to play, I can kill them all. You know, I go like small jays Gideon. It's like very very difficult. It's like so much. It fights at a strata that is much more powerful than your your strategy of putting out a flare husk and attacking them for one. Okay. Um. So, uh, if you. No one could see, like, Brian made a face. It was like a... <laughs> that was a terrible whistle. It was the... You need a slide whistle. Of faces yeah. he just made. So, anyway, um, but, like, ones that are just like, oh, I have a Gatekeeper of Malakir, or a Pulse Tracker, or a Goblin Guide. You know, like, they're, they're like, playing what Z would call fair magic against you. They could just never beat the white deck. Because every single one of your cards is this annoying idiot card. Like, they go Goblin Guide, you go Mortar Pod, right? And then... That's nowhere near as good as the, the classy one. <laughs> the classy one is the best one. So, like, like, the Mortar Pod's so annoying, right? It's just like, block your Goblin Guide, I will draw an Emiria, the Sky Ruin, ping you for one. Or if you're really unlucky, you take out their, like, uh... What's the one-one shaman that shoots? 
Spike Shot Elder. Oh, yeah. Or they could have, like, a Grim Lava Mancer or something. Like, there's a just... Mortar Pods is just a disaster for them, right? It saves two damage. They You draw a card half the time. And then, like... Or you just, like, slow play the Mortar Pod on turn four. You're, like, Paladin Mortar Pod. And then they're like, oh, my God. That's just, like, kill your Paladin. But it's too late. <laughs> they're already just completely destroyed by the Mortar Pod. So, anyway... Yeah, the, the blue-green deck... Don't play natural. Yeah. But the Blue Green deck seems very exciting. You just kill people, like, hell should, should, should I be practicing that for Chicago? No, I mean... Can't ever beat a spell sky. Just run... You can never beat a spell Just run sky. four main deck twisted image. Like... Can people literally not realize how Teetering Peaks versus spell sky works yet? <laughs> like, I got another one last night. He was winning, and he's like, Teetering Peaks. I'm like, I'll steal. He's like, take two. I'm like take two save six <laughs> what are you gonna attack me he's like no attack <laughs> like, why because it's a bloodbath in my favor if you do it's like <laughs> Ooh, a bloodbath waiting to happen oh man wasn't it that, was, that card was so bad because <laughs> you had to set it up for storm what's the name of it i don't even it's just like holy strength with storm <laughs> was, i would always go it's a bloodbath waiting to happen it was like one holy strength it's still waiting <laughs> No, but Teetering Peak Spellskite is the worst. The only thing that's bad about Spellskite is when you play against Mind Slaver, there's nothing you can really do. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. like I, I've been like, oh, maybe I won't play my Spellskite and he won't see it. He'll see it. <laughs> the following cards have killed me with Mind Slaver. Spellskite, Lash Rite. Lash Rite, mm, that was like, Man, I hope I'm on an off-life total. Well, I, was just, I just conceded. I was just like, I don't want to win. You often save the lash right to hit them as like a fireball. Sure. You know, like you don't want to expose the lash right. I mean, if you have no other dude, you expose it obviously. Right. But like a lot of times, like we're when we're I, not talking about the same deck any longer, just in case you were. No, this is also an equipment deck though. <laughs> it only has one equipment. That deck. So people play mono black, mono red. Sometimes people play like the equipster type deck. But the thing I don't like about the mono white deck is it's like. I'm used to playing with preordains and stuff like that. So sometimes, like, you keep a two-lander. It doesn't improve. Yeah. <laughs> the hands that don't improve. Yeah. People have to relearn their mulligans. Yeah, like, like I should be playing a Stoneforge Mystic this turn or, like, a preordain. Are, are people or... playing uh, Everflowing Chalice yet again? No, I think we should, though. I think Everflowing Chalice into, into Solemn Simulacrum is very good. Seems exciting. Well, I, well, I like, I like or Chalice that. into Chalice someone is good, was, too. Someone sent me a message in response to my column last week. They're like... Yeah, you know, we were, I was just talking about this sort of Soren into Soren's Vengeance parlay. You're like, Soren, make you 10, next turn on tap, 10 Sorry. you. Yeah. And they're like, what if you just Chandra into Soren's Vengeance them? You're like Chandra, and the next turn you're like, Soren's Vengeance you, copy it. How much does Soren's Vengeance cost? 100, Seven. Right? Chandra costs four. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense at all. Sure. I understand. Still seems kind of fun. Like, I... Like I made the argument when I did the Chandra preview that the ultimates are a wash, right? Because Chandra is in play for a turn longer than, than Big Chandra because it's cheaper. Sure. People are like, it's, that's not how it works. It works based on how long they're in play. I'm like, yeah, well, I guess this one came out a turn earlier, though. It's like basically a wash, right? No, I, I beat it. It's impossible. I had 
I had like you can name whatever shrine of loyal shrine of loyal legions. Oh, okay. With like hundred with a hundred counters. On Speaking it. of shrine of loyal legions, what do you think about the empires cycle? I don't know, man. I can't. This is the, whatever the, the two mana empires is better than a Bedalkin shack. So the two mana empires, what 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 are they? What are they? Crown, scepter, and throne. Is that right. the name of it? So crown costs two. So it's two mana, three tap, tap a dude. But if you have the other Empire's cards in play, you just take control of that guy. And it's not like the Dalkin Jackals that, like, it's limited by number of islands, you or just, you can't untap you it. You, you just get the guy, yeah. and then, like, you can untap and do it again next turn if you want. And then if they kill it, you still have that guy? I, who cares? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, whatever it is, it's gassier than a, than a Vidalcan Shackles. Sure. So, like, if you it, roll, like, three snake eyes, right? If you roll, like, it's not, you could just mutated make, snake eyes. You can make your deck so they could, like, set it up, Yahtzee. right? see. I mean, if you think about how good Vidalcan Shackles is, like, if you if you play Legacy, like, the decks have, like, one Vidalcan Shackles, and whoever has Vidalcan Shackles crushes the other guy. Sure, sure. I mean, crushes him. In so the, the, other, the other one is one damage to yeah, a creature or player? No, it's three. It's only to players. If it were to creature or player, that card would be ridiculous. Yeah, Because okay. there's no mana activation. But if you have all the Empires, it nugs for three. I was thinking, like, that's basically a Chandra for three, right. you know? And then the other one sucks at two. But then the other one... What does it do? No, it's two and then three tap, tap a dude, or you get control. Uh, but the four mana one's not that bad. If you, like, it's four mana, and then you tap one, and you make a dude. It's basically an Elzebeth, right? Well, no, it's, it's really. Sure, it's sure. Basically, but if you have all three, it makes five dudes. Like, this is basically a Planeswalker pro- progression. The, the problem is the crown, which is the most impressive of the three, has a mana activation of significant mana on it. Right, right. But the second one has no mana activation cost, just ping for one, taps, and ping for three if you have all three. Like, I think this is, like, a legitimate thing you could try to build for. And people don't play removal. In standard? Yeah. People don't play removal. Look, what do you have, like, those mana accelerators, and then, like... you have any way to sift for them? Like... I, I put, like, uh, Tezzeret and... Preordain. But you could easily play like. Hey, what do you run? Four of each? Four, three, three, I played. In my okay. But you could just. What if you played them with like White Planeswalkers and All is Dust? You just draw into them. Like, All is Dust in those cards is a really good combo. <laughs> all is Dust is still a good card. No one ever plays that card. Okay. What if our deck was like. Uh, Everflowing Chalice. Done. Trinket Mage. Um, you need a tremendous amount of operating mana. Everflowing Trialist, Trinket Mage, Solemn Simulacrum, and then these cards, and then, like, whatever. Like, the Eldrazi Double Lands, and then, like, some big Eldrazi's, even. A Worm Coil Engine. Who cares? Like, get all these colorless cards. You'll ramp to seven. You can defend yourself. You can play with, like, Into the Royal. I don't think this is that bad at all. And you play with, like, Ponder Preordain. I'll, I'll test. It seems okay. Like... Obviously, it's not good against mono red beatdown, but I think the other beatdowns, it's not that bad. Like, the Elspeth one's pretty good, and you're building towards something. It's just like a planeswalker, right? Like, if someone said to you, you're yeah, but like, like I think, I, I think that the ability to go like solemn simulacrum into wormcoil engine, into wormcoil engine, straight yeah. into wormcoil engine in the stack. Yeah, 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 you're like turn three solemn, turn four wormcoil, wormcoil. like high red deck. You're like, how about trinket mage? Like, and your Trinket Mage is like, well, this game, I, I have a fourth mage. mana to get... Tri- I mean, you want to play one Treasure Mage? The thing is, I like Trinket Mage because you get, like, Everflowing Chalice, and you can get the Liquid Sliver of Immortality, which lets you rebuy all your Oh, I see, I see. Like, I think it'd be pretty impossible for a control deck to beat you in a long game. You're eventually just going to, like, ascent... Like, 
no deck has enough stuff to stop all your stuff. If you get going, you have all this like aggregate. What is it? What does it cost to tap? Which one? The tapper three. It's expensive. That's the thing. Like, but it, once it's online, it's better than a Vidalcan Shackles. You know, you know, a card I like a Vidalcan Shackles is like a busted card in Legacy. So you know, a card that I've always uh, wanted to see play in Standard. I almost kind of wonder. It's like a throne, throne of Death. Yeah. Like with Everflowing Chalice, with Solemn Simulacrum, like you get so much mana off of that. What if you play a medium poison count in this deck with like? Well, yeah, you're obviously gonna play like the Tumble Mag. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna play like the other Contagion class. Like I think this is a legit deck. What if you put like two one one and you just like string them together over the course of a twenty turn game, then you just get this powerful machinery. It'd be very Weissman esque, right? Right. And then you have like regular blue control stuff. Like there's no card. There's also, there's also that artifact land that lets you get some that land that lets you get an artifact back, right? Isn't there like some land in M twelve? Yeah, 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 you sack it and then you get a land back. Uh, you get an artifact back from the bin. What if we played this deck with like Spellskite as R two? You actually just pay two. You just pay blue mana for it. Right. You won't lose to red. I mean, you can obviously red is red is very good. got very good stuff. But I'm saying like you just don't auto lose to Shrine of Burning Rage when you have that card. That's one of the reasons I really like Spellskite. And that, we were talking about this earlier today before so the podcast. What, All of my decks have four Spellskite and four Dismember now. So so just I mean, you could also play like the Wellspring package. That's not bad. Like and then. Throne of Death, or the land that lets you gain a life for sacking an artifact, for Exian Core. I think we have to do something more productive than that. Well, I'm saying with Throne, Throne of Death, like if you're gonna have Everflowing Chalices, the land goes like, in your hand with the Microsense Grove Wellspring, right? Correct. If it went into play, I would. Yeah, be like, obviously, ah. obviously, obviously. But I think this could be fine. Like, I work. I, <laughs> I'll, I'll work on this. That sounds like fun. I mean, like, like what if you just had that thing in play and your opponent goes, like, Deceiver Exarch, and you're like, all right, equip, or whatever, like, a chance to, like, steal it or tap it, you know, whatever it is. Right. You just, like, sit there. Like, they have to answer your stupid thing in and play. And you have Spell Skite. And you have Spell Skite. So you're like, target that. Pay. Like, it's, it looks like against any of the mid-range decks that people are playing... Seems really good. Right. And people are playing a lot of mid-range creature decks now because there's no Jace. But, like... And you just get to play all his dust. Yeah, like, they just, like, accumulate stuff and play, and then... You could, like, all this just with mana open in this deck, and then have, like... Stoic Rebuttal's good in this deck. It's... It's really not that bad. The other thing that I like, Zombie Infestation, Vengeful Pharaoh. I love Vengeful Pharaoh. Zombie Infestation Vengeful Pharaoh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want the damn zombie, the sure. zombie Pharaoh back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- I figured you would love it because you love Zombie Infestation. I also think Vengeful Pharaoh um, Fauna Shaman is insane. What about Vengeful Pharaoh? What if like, you're like, oh, well, I'll Vengeful Pharaoh. Oh, sorry, I'll get rid of my Vengeful Pharaoh. I'll get like the best creature card in my deck for this situation. I'll kill your guys. Then I'll untap. I'll draw Vengeful Pharaoh. And I'll cash it in for another creature next turn. Blue, green, black? Maybe. You play one Vengeful Pharaoh? Like, I think Vengeful Pharaoh is really good. One Vengeful Pharaoh or X Vengeful Pharaohs? Probably just one. You're going to Fauna Shaman. It's really hard to regulate, though. They kill your Fauna Shaman and you're stuck with Vengeful Pharaohs. That's like... I'm not sure. I I, I totally get where you're going with it. I'm just... Realistically speaking, there's going to be a lot of shocks. Yeah. The thing with the zombie infestation is, though, it's just one card. Like... Yeah, but you get their guy and then you get a zombie back. Yeah. I mean, we, you obviously have to pair it with something. You just, yeah, yeah. You can't just throw cards away. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know, maybe you can. Michelle Bachman might be the president. <laughs> you don't have to know about facts or whatever yeah. to be president. Yeah. Believe in science, history. Know what city you were born in or others. What city John Wayne Gacy was born in. <laughs> I think it would be hilarious if she was the Republican. It would just be the best on Daily Show every night as yeah. we marched on the road to the new president. <laughs> Are there listeners who like Michelle Bachman and I? I had some guy on my Facebook today be like, she'd be better than Obama. And I'm like, agree to disagree, okay? I don't want to have this discussion with you. A lot of smart people think Obama's doing a pretty good job. Some smart people don't yeah. like him. Yeah, yeah, We live in America. Yeah. People don't yeah. have to agree. Yeah. I mean, we can all pretty much agree that Michelle Bachman's batshit insane, right? I wouldn't say she's insane. Have you heard her? Have you looked into her I'm eyes? I'm not a clinical Have you psychologist. I can say. I can say. I mean, do you think Palin's insane? I don't think. I think Palin is. I think she's savvy. I think Palin's a little, little nuts. I think. I know. I think Palin is narcissistic to the point of dysfunction. All right. Do you think? So I was watching what, Bill Maher last night. Yeah. He has a whack time slot. Like Sunday night at like one in the morning. Or well, he's on all the time. He's on a Fridays at ten. So I was no, I was watching his new app last night. Yeah, oh. last night. He was talking about that stupid Florida trial and everything. So it was brand new. Yeah, so was, that everyone was talking. That was about from Friday's ten o'clock. So Coulter's on. Who is clearly? I was going to ask you this. So, clearly, so I, I think I personally think Coulter's always gotten a bad rap. Like I remember her from being a Bill, uh, Bill Mara like ten years ago before she was like the media. Icon, Target, whatever you want to call her today. She was, like, way normaler back then. Right. Like, they were just like, oh, this is Ann Coulter. She's a Republican pollster. She's, like, this pretty good-looking blonde. And she was not nearly as famous now. And, yeah, yeah, You know, whatever you want to say about her. They're not nearly as haggard as she looks now. She looks... She's, like... It's been more than ten years. It's, yeah. you know, everyone ages. But I, I still think she's an attractive woman. You know, sure, for sure, whatever, sure. however old she is. Like, I don't think she's insane. I honestly think she's gotten a bad rap over, like... You, you have to understand, she has a certain position that she cultivates for the like, I, for I, audience. I, I, just, I just view... That's not insane. I view the dogmatic right-wing philosophy of this country as an insanity. Is like, it worse than the dogmatic left-wing insanity? Yeah, yes, because, like... And it's and it's the problem, right? Because the left wing is always willing to like form some sort of compromise or make some sort of concession. <laughs> and the right wing's like, No! I will have all the cake. That's how we'll cut it. I'll cut it this way. Cake here, nothing here. You get nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, right now, is it, is it the is it the strategy? You have I'll to cut do... the baby's hair. I'll take the baby. You take the hair. <laughs> is it the strategy? Just right like now? Solomon wrote in the Constitution. With with <laughs> with our one half of one one of the three branches of government, we're going to bankrupt the country. <laughs> I mean, it's ludicrous, but, like, at the same time, a few years ago, remember when the Dems didn't show up for work so that they couldn't zone in those happenings? That was... Did you watch the documentary Hot Closet? I did not watch it yet. It's... It's... I have a strong opinion in that case. I know, I know, the, I know that you're very anti-litigation. <laughs> Am I anti-people? Yeah. No, I mean, I... I <laughs> I studied that case. I spent a year in law school, and right. that was a that was a pretty hot case at the time that I was in law school. It was a copycat case the same year, and so on. Uh, I formed a very strong opinion while I was there. And uh, my general opinion is, my wife and I have had this out because she feels very strongly as well, probably on the same side as you. And I'm like, look, do me a favor. We go to like Starbucks or whatever. You know, what Starbucks coffee temp is 190 degrees. 
if this were really something that's torturous, do you think? Star- the, the, honestly, you the, see, the, if you watch the if you watch the documentary, I am they never show the woman at burns. any point. Am I saying that she did not suffer? Okay. okay. Certainly, there's suffering in the world, and it's awful when there's suffering. You, in the world. You, However, yeah. the fact that suffering exists does not create a liability for when you do, I was actually against. Until I figured out that it was just a cigarette racket, I was actually against like the whole like that's the same year that this happened was when the they took the band and all the cigarette companies and the truth and all that stuff came out. And then and then like Becker explained to me he's like no they're just like isolated from litigation for all time now because they lost this one case on purpose basically where they have to educate young people. And I'm like well that's kind of a genius. But the thing is from my perspective I hate cigarettes. I think they're awful and I still think the cigarette company's got a bad rap. Um, but the uh, I mean, not a bad rap, but they can't have I a mean, word. They are just they're, the they're worst satanic, people on earth. Right? Like, I mean, but I felt like my opinion from how logically or legally something should operate is different from how my personal opinion on something might be if I knew someone. Sure. If there's suffering, I don't want an old lady to suffer in the vagina or whatever right. it is that she got. But the thing is, you buy freaking hot coffee. You go to Starbucks, it's 190 degrees, which is... 10 degrees more than the coffee that fell on her. Right. Okay? They didn't do anything wrong. The reason that the that the the the, uh, the jury decided the way they did was because they act like me. <laughs> they were like flip about it. And they were like, this is the fact. We didn't do anything wrong. Shut up. And that's how I act a lot of time when people don't like it when I, I thought, say something I like thought that. What was it doesn't make me not wrong. Regardless, not taking a side in the case, yeah. what I thought was most interesting about it is that the way that this sort of U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is this Carl Rove-funded lobby that masquerades as, like, some sort of government body, but is really just, like, Nabisco and Halliburton and, you know, (laughs) tobacco companies all just, like, ganging up to, like, make it difficult for them to be sued by people. I mean, mean, the judgment that came out, like, a few weeks ago, that you basically... You have to sue Walmart individually now in a class segment. Some of this stuff is... So, but... So, you know, and they, they use this that this frivolous lawsuit as sort of the as sort of the building block for this campaign. And the idea is that, you know, when, you, when they talk to the family, and again, maybe they're lying for the purposes of this documentary. Obviously, this could be a biased documentary on the other side, and it is obviously it, it, biased. It is know, a biased documentary right. on the other side. The guy who made it was a, was a trial attorney. Sure. You know, who are not evil scum of the earth, regardless of what Karl Rove would like you to believe, right? Some of them are. Sure. I mean, more so than... Call Rove. I mean, Do you, I don't know anything about Carl Rove personally. The guy can pick a winner. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna flat out snap call evil. I don't know anything about him personally. Evil, like that I mean, he's actually just evil. There was a documentary about Rove and Cheney, like I think uh, two years into Bush's first presidency, maybe three years into Bush's first presidency, which I didn't see. It was in the elevator, and some New York living young woman was saying to some other one who had seen the documentary. Just glad he's on our side. <laughs> and I was like, is he on our side? <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so he, but the thing was, you know, they make this, oh, frivolous lawsuit, but the family was just like, well, actually, we just wanted to get our medical bill paid for. And McDonald's rebuffed us yeah, and rebuffed like us and rebuffed us. And eventually, like, we were forced to go to the courts to seek redress. And the idea that people going to the courts to seek some sort of uh, resolution to, being wronged by a corporation is not a frivolous lawsuit. 
I mean, obviously, uh, the reason that we have courts is because the alternative is people coming out with shotguns, right? Yeah. And like, I, I would be the first. Which person. is what the Republicans also want, right? <laughs> like, there's certainly Michelle Bachman. I would rather see frivolous lawsuits than people in the streets with shotguns. That's civil court system, the, de- the, the defendant wins 90% of the cases that go, to, that go to jury. And, like, the reason is that even if something bad happens, it's not necessarily the person's fault who's getting sued. That's, un- I, I don't know. Like, I, certainly there's cases where they, they, they sure. are at fault. But I think that those of us who are not in the everyday trial attorney universe, we're just onlookers, right? We're seeing, sure. we're seeing news stories or we're seeing uh, documentaries or whatever. The ones that we see are the interesting ones, right? And the interesting ones are the ones that have something dramatic going on. Sure, sure. And so I, I think that we probably ignore, like, a huge percentage of the cases that are just... I mean, there, there was an, actually an episode of The Practice about this where this guy goes into a, a, a medical office, something, like, horribly stupid to himself. Like, I think he, like, plunges something up his own butt or something. Right. Like, he has to get it removed medically. And he does so in a way, and he is, like, basically taunting doctors. Because whoever, like... Uh, whoever like works on him, he's gonna sue for battery or like, uh, despite the fact that they have to do a certain something to him, and he just gets off on suing them. He doesn't care if he wins or not. Right, right, right. And that's actually the reason why we have kind of a screwed up with. I mean, because of fictional characters. No, 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 no. It's obviously a fictionalization of a silly thing. Like, there's these, there, there's a, there's a whole uh, market of of lawyering in the United States where. The plaintiff's attorneys have no interest in ever winning the cases. Sure. They just go out and they want to get small judgments. And that's their... When sure. I was in torts class, they were like, this is a business model you can have. You just go out and you just tort out small cases. You don't care if you win or not. Right. And, like, and you just do a bunch of those and that's your business. And you're like, that seems terrible. And you know what? It's about equally terrible to your friend who sold the diet pills, right? Like, right, right, right. And that, you know, that's a business. It's a legitimate business in the United States. You might, you personally might not find that to be yeah, savory. Not something I would be comfortable doing I don't think life. that, I don't think the other one is particularly savory, right? Perfectly fine selling millions of diet pills. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you should watch that comedy. It's pretty interesting. You know, don't watch it with your wife because you might... Divorce. Divorce. Yeah. It's, it, it's got some pretty powerful stuff in it. It's pretty interesting. You know, it sort of chronicles the growth of this lobby to sort of attack uh, people's civil liberties. All right, just because I think that you and I fall on different sides of some issues. I think both reasonable people that can talk about things. Sure. Like I totally can see that there's times when a plaintiff is in the right, you know? So, like, just because someone might abuse the right to have the access to sue a large corporation in court, like, just because someone might abuse that, they shouldn't lose that right. I certainly agree with you. Yeah. I also think that, like, idiots should still have their opinion about things. But it doesn't sure. mean that we should pay attention to them. Like, right. that's the, that's the, I mean, that's the position I'm in. Like, you know, he's an idiot. I got it. It's not worth my time to address all of the factually incorrect things that he said. Right. And some people are like, no, you should address this thing. Like, why? Like, someone who's walking around saying that 1 plus 1 equals 5, and the basis of their argument is 1 plus 1 equals 5, like, you can't even address their argument. The basis of their argument is wrong. Right. I mean, and it's funny. There's philosophers who say, like, 
do you ask the Taliban what their opinion of quantum physics is, right? Like, you're like, oh, I'm gonna let, let's go let's go talk to some terrorists and see what they think about publishing. You would never do that. Why do we care to ask them about religion? Why do they like <laughs> that? That's the whole thing, you know. Like, like, oh, everyone should have their opinion. We should we should celebrate this right. These are people that are going out doing maniacal things in the name of something that they have a shield to hide behind. Sure. You would never ask them what their opinion is on something that's factually based, but you can ask them on something that's morally based and how you should treat other people? That's ludicrous. But how is that how is that different than No, that's what I'm saying about the one plus one equals five. But I'm saying how is that different than Michelle Bachman, who's this fundamental I love watching her, her clips. Are you kidding? It's just like there's I mean, not naming any names. There's people on Twitter and there's people on Facebook that have been mass unfollowed by formerly lots of people who followed them on Twitter or Facebook. And there's other people who were friends with her. It's like, that is a really terrible play. Yes, he's a lunatic. He's <laughs> always been a lunatic. But you are going to miss this show. <laughs> there have been long, long threads on the Johnny Cat <laughs> mailing us about who should be followed and not, right? Sure. Agree? Agree. You got to watch the show, right? Sure, sure. Or, you know, move to Canada or something. In Canada, I was reading this thing that, uh, I forget, I think Zach, Zach uh, tweeted it out. It's about this guy who quit, like, the equivalent of, like, Canadian news or whatever. He said, like, they, they just have this, like, this outgrowth of, like, a Fox News-type entity in Canada now, but they have no Jon Stewart to counterbalance it. <laughs> and it's weird to think of it that way because Canada's, like, so much more of like a socialist country, or sure. you know, than, than we are. I, I, I'm I'm torn about things. That, like in the United States, we're thought of by at least some some thinkers or some opinion people, a country that has many qualities, and one of them being massive wealth inequality, right? Sure. But I mean, how do you fix that? Don't don't we still want to have uh, at least some semblance of capitalist meritocracy? Like, I think that's one of the great things about America. Sure. We want people like... I don't think... I don't... I think people... I mean, if you watch the, the Bill Maher thing, yeah. where he ended the show, I think you just want people who, you know, are the alleged job creators, which I think is one of the most evil euphemisms in a long time. Job creators? Job creators. You know, just like people with, like... Money. Who have, like, consumed wealth through wars... And There's lots of disasters. Who done that, right? Sure, but really, the people who are ultimately, you know, pulling the strings on the movement to, you know, complain about, like, you know, to call taxing billionaires socialism, <laughs> you know. Well, we, are, I actually want to address the billionaires versus millionaires for a second. So you're on I'm the side of the with, millionaires, right? No, I, I no, definitely no, am on the side of the billionaires. I'm, oh, you're talking about the, yeah, you're talking about the lockout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, whatever. To. I mean, I'm just, I don't really care. I mean, I just, I just want the players to play, play, to play ball. I don't yeah, care. But like, a lot of people are like, oh, I have no side, honestly. Yeah, I think you I have just to make it. I made a quippy. If the I billionaires, if the billionaires figure out how bad EV basketball is, we don't get to watch basketball. You got to be on the billionaires. Side. I mean, you just watch basketball. I'll just go to Europe, where there's crazier billionaires. You got those same billionaires in New Jersey now. Oh my God, Brooklyn, right? <laughs> Brooklyn. Just going to Brooklyn. We'll see. You know, in the when I first got on the internet it was like 1994. The Nets were supposed to become the Fire Dragons. I don't know if you you remember that. Like, but, they okay, got so passed. Do you want to hear the, the, the most? Like, the, the, the Bullets became the Wizards. The Nets slogan. Um, 
for this year. Like I said, they're advertising on the buses in Jersey for the Nets. And this is their slogan. The Nets. Jersey strong. Brooklyn ready. <laughs> like, really, they're not selling a lot of tickets in Jersey? I mean, have you been to any Nets games? Yeah. I saw the Knicks play at... I mean, so I saw the Cavs play there. Uh, and it's just empty. It's a gorgeous... It's no actually, one goes. I, no was, one goes. Yeah, it was actually a gorgeous. It was better than the Garden. I guess the thing I'm most impressed by, like the Knicks, they're going to go into Brooklyn. They're going to have this insane state-of-the-art arena, and the Knicks are still going to be in this shithole. Like, people the love garden. the Garden. It's a special. Place. But it's a, but it's a, it's like the facility. I mean, I went to a bunch of games when I was in Cleveland. The facilities in Cleveland are so nice. Yeah, they're one. I mean, I don't think you have to buy tickets to go to the Indians game. They just go there, and then like they have these big screen TVs like outside, not screens, not big screen TVs, and they broadcast it. And there's like a park. You can just lay out in the parking lot. Why do I have this stupid ticket to go inside? And then I don't know. You, you, do you actually attend a lot of baseball games? Or you just love baseball. I I haven't attended as many in the last couple of years. I've not attended a baseball game in years. Okay, uh, and I, I I never really follow baseball that closely. I tend to go to baseball games more when I'm traveling to other cities. Oh, so so this, tell me if this is a, a right uh, a right observation. But I go to a lot of sporting events, but basketball sure. games, been to wrestling, whatever. But I don't drink anymore. So I, uh, and there was actually a Simpsons episode a few years ago, which basically like when Homer goes goes dry for an episode, and he goes to a baseball game, he's like super bored. I've never been surrounded by such moronic, idiotic comments, chanting, like whatever. Not even the TCG player forums? <laughs> I, never. <laughs> Not in real life, anyway. Like, I'm sitting here, and then, you know, it's CC Sabathia, who's actually, this is a really great example, right? So Sabathia came up through the Indians yep. uh, farm system, Grew to become the, from a dollar standpoint, the greatest pitcher of all time. No, obviously not from, from it, like, it's the highest paid pitcher ever. Sure. But he, when he left Cleveland, like, he was so classy about it. You know, he, like, took out a full-page ad. I love Cleveland, you know, like, still friends with, with little teammates and everything. And he's on the mound, destroying the Indians on, I mean, the Destroying Indians, the Yankees. Uh, no, destroying the Indians. Oh, destroying was, the Indians. Right, I, the Yankees, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Indians crushed them on, on the series, they won 3-1 or whatever. But I went, I, of course, went to the Sabathia sure, game. Sure. And they gave up five runs in the second. It did not get any better after that. And so this guy behind me is just like, what's wrong with him? What's his problem? I mean, his problem is there's a man getting paid $24 million on the mound throwing a projectile that is moving too fast for the human eye to see. <laughs> That's his problem, okay? <laughs> it's like, he's not doing something offensive to you. He's trying his best. <laughs> he's like, this guy's an idiot. You're a freaking idiot. <laughs> and then the, the, the weird thing is for this particular game, there were more Yankees fans than oh, Indians sure, sure. fans. They bust Yankees fans into the Cleveland Stadium, which was like, and I was like, I was shocked. I'm like, why are all these douches wearing Jeter's jerseys, whatever? They literally got bust in from New York. I don't think they bust in from New York. They bust them in. That's crazy. Like, some people have too much time. I mean, I mean like, the thing is, there's a couple of teams where if you just go... Like the Phillies, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Mets, the Yankees, like are all team. I guess maybe the White Sox. I don't know. Just, just but like you go to any any town. Like yeah. you go to San Diego, and the Cubs are in town. It's just like this like zombie horde of Cubs jerseys coming but, in. I mean, just the comments and the idiotic noise making, and the, the, I mean the drunken mor- moronic. I, like, I've been to a lot of basketball games. I've never been, I've never been offended by what people said at basketball games. Like, really? I mean, we went to that 
Cavs Knicks game was fine. We, uh, I mean, obviously people were mad when the Cavs kept hitting every three pointer they put up, and that's understandable. No, no. I mean, Steve, like, and I, Steve and I were in a couple games where we had like drunken, you know, mooks around us, and you know, it was just kind of. I'm not talking about people grousing. I'm not talking about people like having something. I mean, just like every single person that I could listen to talking yes, average, was just like the saying average, stupid The average shit. sports fan doesn't know what's going on. Like the one that is like, what's his problem? Literally, I was just like. This is like a triple A player who's playing his first, his first major league game up against CZ Zabat. Don't get a hit, kid. He's like, come on. Your future in the big leagues depends upon it. It's just, yeah, it's just ludicrous to me, you know. And what a weird, what a weird podcast this is. That is a good podcast. Talking politics and baseball. What sports can we talk about? Beach volleyball. Did you watch the soccer game? No, but I watched. I couldn't believe it. Misty and Carrie were up by like four, four points. Yeah, I forgot that you actually do I watch female it. beach volleyball. And they lost the world championship to the Brazilians. And you know the. Oh, uh, I saw PV. I saw PV tweeting about it. But it was pretty improbable, right? Four points is a huge thing. If you're playing against Carrie Walsh and Misty May, if you're down by a point, you're unlikely to win. Is one of them married to a baseball player? Yeah. The Misty other one's May. Made, Misty May. Misty But some guy, a trainer. I think he plays in Florida. Yeah. Or he probably doesn't play anymore. They're like Matt Trainer. I don't think people realize how good they are at volleyball. Like, if Michael Jordan won, ever, like I won, think you can eliminate a number of sentence words in that sentence there, and it'd be like I don't think people realize volleyball. <laughs> uh, what's a, they hold the record at seventy-two games in nineteen ninety-seven? I think. If Michael Jordan won seventy-seven games a year by twenty-five points a game every year, that's how good Misty and Jerry are at volleyball. Sure. By 25 points a game. <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, they, they lost the finals. It was like flabbergasting. But I mean, Missy, Missy's been playing injured all season, but she has to play so they can get their Olympic qualifications. So she's like a brace. And like, she's crazy. Like, she's known for like being like crazy defensively, like diving into the dirt. And you can just see she doesn't have a defensive step because she only has one leg and she can't dive into the dirt. And they still make the finals of every single, every single time. I did, I did watch, I did watch USA versus Brazil. Soccer. That was did, did the USA win? Yeah, you didn't see a game. No, Missy and Carrie tweeted about it. They uh, U.S. like U.S. tied tied the game in the last possible second of extra time. Yeah, it's like the latest anyone's ever scored a goal. To their tie goalie's the... cute, right? I think I saw uh, her pe- on the news. People like her. I don't, I don't know, but then and then they won it on penalty kicks. It's pretty exciting. That's what sucks about soccer. It goes to penalty kicks. Though. It's still pretty exciting. Like it was five to four penalty kicks. Really? Yeah. Nice defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's basically like rock, paper, scissors, except if you take scissors out. Right? It's like, <laughs> you're going to play left, right. One, two, left. Gosh. Got it. Anyway. Wait, was there magic to talk about? We talked about a lot of magic. What? We talked about getting rid of pre-releases. Empires. Empires. We talked about TCG player. Anyway, I, if I didn't point out that, that those guys are making good. They did something... I think yeah. that was just like, like really worthy of. I mean, they've got to be taking a bath on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming they are. Yeah. So, hopefully. I hope we they start as well. I hope we can take some of that bath water home with us. Right, yeah. What do we, so uh, put it in the show notes. What should we play? I don't know what to do now. There's no Jason the Mind Sculptor. Okay. So we need. We don't we, play green. That's one of our rules. How about, how about we? Do we want a gauntlet? Do we want people to give us a gauntlet of decks? What if we like? 
shall I suggest we mock tournament? <laughs> we should mock tournament. Whatever wins, we're just going to win. Are right? we going to mock, just me and you mock tournament, and people give us decks, and we'll just play them against each other? we just, like, have our friends mock tournament with us. They'll yeah. do it. Okay. So we need deck lists. I think Big Red. You like Big Red? I do we? like Big Red. I was tested Big Red, but the little red cards are so much faster. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the best card is Shrine of Burning Rage, no matter which red you are. Right. But the one I thing I like is Urabrass. He turns off the Deceiver Exarch combo. Sure. I didn't know that. I read it in the forum, actually. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But he costs five, so a, a solution that can be mana leaked easily that costs five might not be the best solution. What do you think about due respect as an answer? I mean, we went over this before due respect is even a legal card. I'm very wary about playing white. Yeah. I, I, I try to limit myself to three colors in actual tournaments. But you, what? You don't think you could just go take one color out and put another color in? I mean, I there's a reason I never cobbled it. It's just like I don't play white. Anymore. You don't play white, you don't play green? I don't play white, no, I don't play green. So you're just Grixis? Yeah. Some combination of Grixis. I mean, I'll play black and blue, red and blue. I might play all three. I mean, I qualified for nationals on all three last year. Right. It's just like, the problem that I have with white and green is I really like the cards. I like what they do. I, I love playing mono-white control. I love playing, like, these, like, progressive card advantage green decks with, like... I'm like, anytime I can rebuy Avenge Mine or go get so, some. So, but it's, it's, it's. So, what you're saying is the situation's like this. Catherine wakes up in the middle of the night. She rolls over, she pats the bed beside her, and you're not there. <laughs> She's suspicious. She gets up quietly, and she tiptoes into the living room. And there you are, dimly lit by a computer, doing something by yourself secretly online. Playing a mono white deck. <laughs> My point is, I've how many how many Acroma's Vengeances have I played over the years, right? All of them. All of them. Whenever it was legal, and have I ever done? I mean, I've done reasonably well with white. You've avoided Phyrexian. I gotta give you credit. You've avoided Phyrex. Have you played Phyrexian Rebirth? I think you've avoided it. What is that? It's a six mana Wrath of God. I haven't gamed it. That gives you like a creature token when it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Oh, well, pretty good. I, in serious tournaments, I try to limit myself to those three colors. Life's finale. I don't like reactive cards. Either. I see. Yeah, finale seems like it might actually like if you if you have like a big mana black deck, like again, solemn simulacrums, and like the ability to like life's finale someone and then go through their deck and ditch. Them like I would, cards. I would be totally into playing like blue black control with solemn simulacrum. That seems like something that well within my wheelhouse. I get to play with solemn simulacrum, and I still have like I'm not playing green or white. But it just, I have a reason for this. Remember, I did a blog post like two years ago. I'm like, here's my record with non, non-green non yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's just like, my record's ridiculous. I'd be one of the best players in the world if I just did this every single time. But instead, what is it, like 75% of the time I chose to play green? Like, my average EV per match is like negative 12 points. It's unreal. I, I have to limit myself away. And then at like regionals this year, I went and I'm like, oh, I, I can win with any Jason the Mind Sculpture deck. I choose the green one. And I'm like, one of three. Like, one tournament, I played Jason Mind Sculpture deck. The blue and red one. I won this tournament. Like, it just, it, it, for me, it's like, you know, there's things that you like and there's things that are good. And there's colors that can pile the cards and there's things that you like. And I can't tell the difference when it's just like, you know, a new Naomi Watts movie comes out. I just assume it must be really good, and she looks really good, despite the fact that it's been ten years since she was the most beautiful woman in Hollywood. She's aged well, I'm sure. 
So she probably has actually. Yeah, I'm sure. But doesn't mean that every movie is as good as Mulholland Drive. Sure. Some people don't even like that movie. You don't like it? I mean, I think it's fine. I, I you know, Lynch. I I understand Lynch. I get Lynch. I I've, love that I've, movie. I've loved David Lynch movies at various times, but uh, I don't know. What do you think of Dune? I haven't seen Dune in so long. The director of my favorite movie, one of my favorite books. Horrible, horrible film. Well, it's it's, it's kind of a disastrous production, right? I don't know the specs. Yeah, it was like it was like well, there's all sorts of history with it. It's no, it's no uh, Blade Runner. So. But it's one of my favorite stories. Yeah. Uh, when uh, they ask him to write a novelization of Blade Runner, he's like, "I already have a novelization of Blade Runner. <laughs> it's the book that Blade Runner was based on." <laughs> and they're like, "We'll pay you seven hundred thousand dollars to write a novelization of Blade Runner." You know the story? No. So what's his name? He Philip K. Over. Dick. Yeah, Philip K. Dick. So Blade Runner's coming out, and Philip K. Dick's talking to the publisher, and he's like, uh, I want to write a book about my friend the Archbishop. That's my next book. He's like, he's literally just his friend the Archbishop of, like, something or other. Right. And, um, and they're like, actually, we'd like you to write a novelization of this new movie coming out called Blade Runner. And he's like, interestingly, I have a novelization of that book. It's called uh, Do Androids Dream of an Electric Street? Um, the book that Blade Runner's based on. And they're like, we will pay you $700,000 advance to write a book about Blade Runner. And they're like, well, how much will you pay me for the book about my friend the Archbishop? They're like, $70,000, which is a lot of money, but one-tenth yeah. of what it is. He's like, I will write the book about my friend the Archbishop. And I think that was his last book, and then he died. But it's one of my favorite stories, because they were like, write a novelization of this movie. And he's like, I wrote the book for the movie. It's not. Yeah. Anyway. I hope to someday be in the situation where... Where you can turn down $700,000? Yeah. You won't. <laughs> Maybe if I sell a lot of diet pills. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for Michael J. Flores, Brian David Marshall signing off for uh, Top 8 Magic.